0: now, David Fiorazzo.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up for the Truth. We are going to offer you a chance to think differently today. We've got a perspective check coming, and I hope you're ready for it. Father, thank you for this chance to speak the truth and and share with what's, what's happening around the country and around the world, and to look at it from a biblical perspective. Lord, you've given us brains and intelligence and and uh you when we pray for wisdom you give us wisdom and you've given us your word lord we know exactly what your will is in almost any situation in life we know what your word says if we were to just read it and pray and ask you to speak to us through your word oh god forgive us for not managing our time better and For not spending more time with you just listening not always talking and praying and asking you for things but just listening to what you will have us do to minister to our brothers and sisters who are hurting in our family in our community in our country and around the world the family of God who are being persecuted Lord open the eyes of our hearts and expand our understanding and also we ask in faith in Jesus name that you would increase our influence, expand our territory, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we know that the testing of our faith produces strength and endurance. Most of us can really use a perspective check as we rightly so sometimes are getting frustrated with government restrictions and unconstitutional mandates and everything that we're living with currently in America. Really been crazy, but we need a perspective check as we live comfortable lives for the most part in this free republic. But we don't always, uh, we know it won't always be this way, and we should be preparing for persecution and be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering in ways that most of us probably can't imagine. Today's guest, we're thankful to be able to welcome back Todd Nettleton, Director of Media and Public Relations for Voice of the Martyrs. And tomorrow morning, of course, on Q90FM.com, you can always tune in to hear VOM Radio. And uh, Todd serves as a voice for persecuted Christians, working with the media to tell people in the U.S. about the faithfulness of Christ's followers, our family, brothers and sisters in many, many different nations where they face persecution. Todd, it's always great to have you back on Stand It For The Truth, brother.
2: Thank you very much. It's always fun to be with you.
1: Yeah, well, we first of all, how are you doing over in Oklahoma? You guys, uh, you said before we got on the air, you are back at work at the office, and um, has the, the COVID uh, restrictions, has anything like that uh, impacted you personally or the ministry there?
2: You know, the biggest thing it has impacted Voice of the Martyrs is just the lack of travel. Uh, wow. You know, our, our international staff typically spend 90 to 100 nights a year on the road in hostile and restricted nations, meeting with the Christians who are affected by persecution directly. Uh, that hasn't been possible since March. Wow. Uh, and so they have had to do some different things, you know, just like everyone else. Uh, Zoom meetings and phone calls and FaceTime and uh, other ways to keep that connection going between uh, our workers and persecuted Christians around the world. So that's been the biggest, the biggest change. Uh, we typically have the last few years had about twenty Voice of the Martyrs conferences around different places in the U.S. Uh, we had one in February this year. We had many more scheduled, and, and those have been put on hold for the moment. Um, so it, it has affected things involving travel, uh, but our work continues. Uh, we're still able to help persecuted Christians. We're still able to hear their stories and tell them to American believers. Mm. Uh, but it certainly is different uh, doing that on a phone call as opposed to doing it over a cup of tea uh, face-to-face.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We certainly need not just uh, the Church, but human beings. We need personal contact with people. We, we weren't meant to isolate. And, um, you know, a lot of people are affected by that. Just, you know, before we get into some of the countries and some of the updates that you have for us, um, how are you, are you getting reports of people being affected in some of these countries by COVID and by w- whether they're not getting access to food or supplies or, or, or something that we maybe have not been up to speed on that we could pray for?
2: Well, there are some situations like that, but but let me share instead some, some good news, some ways that <laughs> God has used COVID. Uh, three examples. One in the Middle East, uh, some of our partners there have said, listen, uh, everything we do was based on face-to-face meetings. They do outreach to Muslims. They do discipleship of new believers and leadership training. They said, we can't do any of that. But they said, our contact with curious Muslims through our Facebook page, through online connections, has just skyrocketed during the lockdown, during uh, this time. And I think part of that is because uh, Muslims are isolated in their homes as well. They don't have to be embarrassed about being curious about Christ. Uh, There's nobody looking over their shoulder saying, wait a minute, you're a Muslim, you can't ask that question. Uh, And so that's one report. Number two report, we have had Uh, contact with churches in China who say, listen, right now, everybody in China is wearing a mask, just like a lot of places here in the U.S. Well, everywhere in China has facial recognition cameras that are designed to spy on people and watch and make sure you're not doing anything wrong. But when everyone's wearing a mask, the facial recognition cameras don't work. Uh, And so these Christians have said, listen, everyone's wearing a mask right now, let's go out, let's hand out gospel materials, let's be bold for the kingdom, because the cameras can't tell who we are. <laughs> and huh. So that's a second example. A third example is in Iran. The the church in Iran has made this an opportunity for ministry, especially among the elderly people around them. They have gone to their apartments and said, hey, do you need anything? Are you okay? Can I shop for you? Can I pick up groceries for you? And also, can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? And many, they've had many opportunities to be a witness and to do outreach because of the coronavirus. So yes, it has had some negative effects, but it has also opened doors for ministry among people who had the eyes to see those open doors and people who said, wait a minute, yes, this is throwing our lives into turmoil, but what could we do to turn that into an opportunity for ministry? I think that's a lesson for us as well as as to say, wow, this has thrown everything up in the air, what opportunities are there that we could turn that into ministry and build the kingdom through this time of coronavirus?
1: Wow. You're absolutely right, Todd. How can we turn our current circumstances into opportunities for ministry? And I'm one to admit that I don't always look at things that way. I think we need to be better at that. So thank you for that lesson um, let's go to some of the countries that you've got some updates on. And now, are you going to be talking about this on this week's uh, VOM Radio?
2: You know, we are going to talk this weekend uh, especially about Mauritania. And I have a guest uh, who's working, doing gospel work in North Africa, and the Middle East, but he's going to share a prayer request, and I would encourage people to pray. There are two Christians in prison right now in Mauritania And both of them, their wives are pregnant. And so they're in jail in Mauritania. Their wives are about to give birth to new babies. Uh, And so they're asking for prayer for these two men for their release, obviously, uh, but also for their wives and for the delivery of these babies. So we're going to be talking about Mauritania the The case of these two men, but sort of the overall situation there as well, this weekend on Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Awesome. And VOM Radio is simply, you can go to persecution.com slash radio, or you can go to persecution.com. I'm sure you can navigate around. There's some other great links and resources there on the Voice of the Martyrs website. Okay, Todd, let's go to China. Um, I hear there's a special prayer request or a need there?
2: There is a special need, and I believe we have talked before about Pastor Wang Yi, from the Early Rain Covenant Church. Yes. He was arrested at the end of 2018. He was sentenced at the end of 2019 to nine years in prison. So he is in the middle of serving this nine-year prison sentence. We've been asked to pray especially, and really to spread the word for people to pray for his wife. Her name is Jung Rong. Their son's name is Joshua. Uh Zhang rong the wife, is being held basically in isolation. They're they're not calling it house arrest, uh, but that is basically what it boils down to. She's told to stay home. They monitor where she goes. She's not allowed to have contact with members of the church or other friends who could be an encouragement to her. Uh, So she is feeling very isolated. Their son Joshua is picked up every morning in a police car and driven to the Communist Party school where he can be indoctrinated all day long. With Communist Party teachings and Communist Party doctrines. Uh, so they are asking for prayer for her as she feels cut off and isolated, and for him as he is under pressure every single day at this school that God will just sustain them and encourage them and keep them going. The the good news or, or the silver lining of this, what our contacts in China are saying is this is punishment, because inside the prison, Pastor Wang Yi won't compromise. He won't deny his faith. He won't stop being a witness for Christ. And so the the government is basically saying, he's already in prison. What more can we do to him? Let's put pressure on his family. That will be a way we can punish him. And we can say, hey, if you'll shut up, if you'll stop doing this, we'll let your wife talk to other people. We'll give her more freedom he is not compromising on his faith, even as he serves a nine-year prison sentence in China.
1: Wow. Todd, could you please uh, repeat their names again for those who want to jot them down?
2: Absolutely. The the pastor's name is Wang Yi. It's W-A-N-G and last name Y-I-Yi, Wang Yi. Okay. Uh, his wife's name is Jiang Rong, J-I-A-N-G-R-O-N-G, okay. uh, and their son's name is Joshua. Joshua,
1: all right. All right, so be in prayer for them, and uh, just be checking Voice of the Martyrs for updates. Um, so many uh, precious brothers and sisters with uh, um, just, just circumstances that we have a hard time relating to because of the freedoms here we have in the West, and it's, it's so good to get these updates from you, Todd. Um, did you want to go to Sudan next?
2: Yeah, let's talk about Sudan, because uh, Sudan is a country that VOM has a long history in, Uh, At one time, actually, shortly before I came to work at VOM, we had a team in Sudan that was fired on by a Sudanese government helicopter gunship, and they ended up going through the bush for several days to get to another airstrip to be evacuated. Uh, Our former Africa regional director, Peter Yasek, was in prison in Sudan for 14 months. Um, So like I say, Voice of the Martyrs has a history with the country of Sudan, But we have seen over the last couple of months some really positive developments there. Our listeners will recall uh, a year ago, the dictator Omar al-Bashir, his government was overthrown by sort of a popular uprising in the country. They put in place a transitional council to supposedly take them forward toward uh, free and fair elections in three years from the uprising, now two years away from here, But in the last couple months, in in the month of July, the government scrapped the apostasy law. So it is no longer illegal, according to Sudanese law, to change your religion from Muslim to Christian or to something else. In August, the government signed a peace deal with five different rebel groups that were causing violence and causing problems in the country. So a, a more peaceful and then this month, the government has signed an agreement that the laws of the new country of Sudan, when, when all of this is said and done, the laws will be separate from the Quran. They will be separate from Sharia law instead of, as it was in the past, hey, if it says it in the Quran, it's the law. You're supposed to do that. Now they're saying, nope, we're going to have secular laws not based on the Quran. So Christians in Sudan are, are looking at this and they're saying, wow, you know, it's a new day here. This is very different from what it has been for the last 20 years under this dictator. I talked to our Africa regional director this week, and he said the the thing he's heard from multiple different Christian groups in Sudan right now is they say nobody's looking. Uh, The government is focused on other stuff. They're not looking at what we're doing as the church. And so (laughs) while this window is open— we're going to go 100 miles an hour for the gospel. We we don't know what will happen when they are supposed to have elections in two years. We don't know what the government will look like after that. But right now the window's open, and so we're going to go as fast as we can and do as much kingdom work as we can. Uh, but like I say, some of these developments are just seem to be very positive. And we've, you know, we've got this agreement. We've got these promises. Now we got to see how they live them out. Uh, but Christians in Sudan are encouraged by what they see happening in their government.
1: How often in your experience has that happened where a country or a government changed? Uh, what was it, an, an apostasy law?
2: Yeah, it, it was an apostasy law. I'm not sure I have ever seen that, and wow. I am, I'm now 22 years <laughs> in my time at Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, you know, we have seen occasionally countries will, will get more open, or they'll get more free, or, or they'll kind of drop down on the persecution list. Uh, but to have a country that, that has an apostasy law say, nope, we're going to overturn that, we're not going to do that anymore, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And and it is, like I say, this, this is a big deal.
1: Wow, it is. That's amazing. Um, the and-
2: other thing that, that I talked about with our Africa Regional Director, and, and you know, we talked about the importance of praying for Pastor Wang Yi in China. We wondered, and he wondered, if what we're seeing today is the result of the prayers that people prayed for Sudan over the last number of years. You know, when when my coworker Peter Yasek was in prison in Sudan, we invited our followers and our listeners, hey, pray for the nation of Sudan, pray for what's going on there, pray for Peter. We wonder if, what we're seeing today, these, these positive results that we're seeing for the church in Sudan are the answer to some of those thousands and hundreds of thousands of prayers that went off for the people of Sudan. Um, so, so don't underestimate the power of our prayers for these countries where our Christian brothers and sisters are persecuted.
1: Absolutely. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, it doesn't always happen. We'll, we'll, we'll probably find out. Um, on the other side, when we're in heaven. But remember, in Daniel chapter two, when the angel appeared to Daniel and said, "I have come as a result of your prayers." In other words, there's an answered prayer right there. It just took 21 days at that in that uh, context for the answer to get to Daniel. It wouldn't be great if we knew that this is a result of prayers, but that's by faith. We pray. We God answered it. God did a certain thing or allowed a certain law that apostasy law to be changed that's that's amazing to me that in 22 years with vom that you can only remember you can't remember any other time that that happened that to me that's that's quite significant
2: uh, it really is a very significant thing and, and as I mentioned I talked with our Africa regional director he said Sudan is really the only country in Africa that we can point to and say hey things are moving in the right direction uh, there's <laughs> wow. a lot of countries in Africa where things are getting worse, uh, where Islam is gaining power. uh, And and so, like you say, this is really, this is a remarkable thing.
1: Praise God for that. Well, we've got just two minutes left, Todd. Is there a a short uh, update on a certain part of the world or a certain country that you can give us in two minutes before we have to take our break?
2: Absolutely. And let me just remind people, from her directly on Voice of the Martyrs Radio just a few weeks back, but continue to pray for Joy Subasa Guler. She is under an eviction notice in Turkey. Basically, the government has said they've actually accused her of being a threat to national security. She's a wife, a mother of three children, age four and younger. Her husband is a pastor, but somehow in her spare time, she's also a threat to national security. So they have expelled her from the country. She is wow. under an order to leave. She's praying that the courts will overrule that and let her stay.
1: Now, is this the link you sent me that, said, that has an interview on VOM Radio? Absolutely,
2: okay. yes. This is the one.
1: Okay, so I'll put that in the podcast post today so people can check that out. Um, so she's an American woman married to a Turkish pastor.
2: That's correct, okay. yeah. She is an American. She's lived in Turkey for 10 years, and they're trying to kick her out.
1: Wow. Isn't that amazing? Um, well, I guess it's not amazing because, you know, governments like that, they don't need a reason. They don't need—do they? <laughs> and they can accuse you. They don't you. need a reason, yeah.
2: but this is a pattern. There there have been, I believe it's now, 18 to 25 foreign Christians expelled from Turkey in the last two years. Um, so this is very much—they are trying to get Christians off of Turkish soil. Wow.
1: And it sounds like they uh, aren't going to let up, but our God is a great God, and He uh, He hears our prayers. He's aware. He's sovereign. He knows what's going on, and we have to trust Him that all things are working together for good to those who are to love Him and are called according to His purposes. We've got a lot more to update you on with Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com is the website. A few more updates with Todd when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Don't go anywhere.
0: Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo.
1: Our guest today, Todd Nettleton, Director of Media and Public Relations at Voice of the Martyrs and also a host of VOM Radio. Before we get into another couple of countries, Todd, um, you mentioned off-air. I think this is really important. I've, get, I've gotten the emails um, from VOM to send bibles to believers when asked about the needs when asked persecuted christians or believers in certain countries hostile nations on you know where they're restricted there they don't ask to be free from persecution they don't ask for for money maybe some do for the basic needs but usually they you say they the top two things they respond with are prayers and bibles please share a little bit more about that
2: well, the first request of persecuted Christians is pray for us. And as you say, they're not saying pray that our government will change and suddenly we'll be free, or pray oh. that I'll be able to leave my country and go live somewhere else. They're saying pray that we'll be faithful to Christ in spite of the hardship, in spite of the persecution. So wow. the number one request is pray for us. The number two request is send more Bibles. Mm. And uh, what we talk about here at Voice of the Martyrs, a Bible for every believer. We think that. In our lifetimes, we can see every believer living in a hostile and restricted nation have their own copy of God's Word. And in most cases, that is something printed on paper. In some highly restricted areas, it's a lot safer to have something digital on your phone. But we believe every believer in Christ deserves to have their own copy of God's Word. And it is through the generosity of American Christians who give to VOM and sponsor those Bibles to be delivered The last several years, it has been over a million Bibles a year going into the world's most dangerous mission fields, going into hostile and restricted nations. And so that is a significant uh, advancement of the kingdom. It's a significant contribution to the kingdom to provide Bibles for God's people around the world. Wow.
1: Your Facebook page, V-O-M-U-S-A, so facebook.com, V-O-M-U-S-A. But on your website, right, if you scroll down to the bottom, uh, there's a link. It says, Bibles to Captive Nations. Is that the best way for people to maybe donate to that cause?
2: Yep, that will take you. You can also go directly. We have a page, VOMBibles.com, but I think that link will take you there also. So yeah, those will give you information about the need for Bibles uh, and the ways to get Bibles into the hands of people around the world.
1: Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we uh, touched on that. All right, Todd, uh, what other countries do you have updates for us on?
2: Well, let's talk about Eritrea. You know, we talked about positive developments in Sudan. Uh, There is some positive developments in Eritrea, too. Uh, As many as 30 Christian prisoners have been released uh, just in the last month from prison. Now, 30 seems like a lot to be released, and yes, we celebrate that. Uh, We still believe there are about 600 Christians in prison in the nation of Eritrea, and some of them have been in prison for 16, 17, 18 years. Um, So we are praying for more to be released, but this is a positive development to see Christians allowed to leave prison. Let me share a little bit about Eritrea, because it's one of the countries that's not typically—we don't typically think of it at the top of the list of, of persecuting nations. But of those 600 Christians in prison in Eritrea, not one of them has actually even been charged with a crime. Not one of them has had a trial or had a lawyer or had a chance to try to argue against their imprisonment they simply get arrested they disappear into the prison system for uh, days or weeks or years Uh, and once in prison the the conditions are horrible we've heard reports of uh, underground prison cells where there is no light and you're held in darkness all the time Uh, a, a bowl of rice maybe per day to try to be enough nutrition to keep you alive uh, and torture, beatings are not uncommon at all. Um, so this is a good item for our prayer list. Yes. Uh, and like I say, we, we are thankful that these 30-some have been released, uh, but we hope release is coming soon for the 600 other of our brothers and sisters who are still in prison.
1: It's almost 600 Christians in prison there. I'm looking at your Facebook page, and I just want to read uh, above this picture where... Um, you've got people, I guess you, it looks like young people in their maybe 20s. It says in Eritrea, all high school seniors spend their senior year. I guess they're high school seniors. They look older than that. At a training camp adjacent to the massive Sawa Defense Training Center, and they live in poor conditions, are subject to forced labor, military discipline, and often sexual abuse. And this forced service prompts thousands of them to, to flee the country every year. And so we need to pray, as you mentioned on the Facebook page or whoever put this post up for Voice of the Martyrs, pray for these students that when they end up in refugee camps or wherever they go out of the country, they'll find Jesus. Your thoughts on that, Todd?
2: Yeah, we definitely need to pray. And one of the things that that happens in that year of military training is it gives the government a chance to indoctrinate everyone in the country, because every student is required to do that training. But the other thing it gives the government an opportunity to do is to identify who are the Christians, who are the people that we need to work on. And uh, we had a story in our magazine just recently about a young girl who when went to military training, and they asked, did any of you bring a Bible with you? And her friends there were like, you need to sit down, don't say anything. And she boldly said, yeah, I brought a Bible because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, wow. that got her put into one of those prisons next, next to the military camp, and the pressure was intense against her. So that year of military training is, is a year of indoctrination, but it is also a year specifically, I, I think, specifically put there so that the government can identify who the Christians are, who they would say are the unpatriotic ones, that we need to pressure and we need to try to convert and get them to deny their faith.
1: Wow. Wow. You know, the more we hear about this, Todd, every time you're on and when we listen to the program, uh, you know, VOM radio, when we hear these updates, when we see them on social media or wherever, it just makes us kind of ashamed in a way, feel ashamed for complaining about what we have in America And I know you've dealt with this for 22 years, but, and there's no easy fix because we are kind of trained and conditioned to pursue comfort and the American dream and, you know, leisure. Uh, Could you speak a little bit to that, please, just from your heart? Well,
2: you know, I don't want anyone to feel guilty for being born in America because none of us obviously had that. (laughs) We didn't get to choose uh, where we got to be born. I think the challenge for us is, is, we need to follow christ within our context and Mm. and it does require sacrifice our our ceo cole richards did a devotional in our chapel not too long ago about uh, the bible verse that talks about jesus being acquainted with shame Mm. uh, and, and the fact that it was a part of the process of following him to be shamed to be acquainted with shame We don't like that in our culture. We don't want to be ashamed of anything. We don't want anyone to look down on us. But if we're going to boldly follow Jesus Christ, we need to get comfortable with shame. We need to get comfortable with that we're not going to be at the head of the cultural line in our country. We're going to be counterculture. We're going to be outside the mainstream. And I, I think that's hard for us to let go of as Christians. It's hard for us to say, wait a minute, the culture's going to be against me. I'm not going to fit in. No, you're not going to fit in if you're following Jesus Christ boldly. And that is what, you know, our sister who was in the camp in Eritrea said, okay, I understand I'm not going to fit in when I stand up and say, yes, I have a Bible because I'm a Christian. I'm not going to fit in. We as American Christians need to get comfortable with the idea that we're not going to fit in. Our culture is moving further and further away from Jesus Christ. Yes. So if we're growing closer to him, we're going to be further away from the culture. And we just need to get comfortable with that idea and understand, yeah, people are going to think we're strange. Yes, they are going to look down on us. That's part of walking with Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's something that's hard for us because uh, because of the great heritage our country has as a a nation that was established on Christian principles. Uh, it's hard for us as Christians to kind of see the nation go the way it's going and right. understand that we're not going to be part of the mainstream anymore.
1: No, it's disappointing. And I think of Revelation 3, the lukewarm Church of Laodicea. But something you said, I want to reiterate, Todd, you said if we are growing in Christ and more toward Christ, we will naturally, as a result of our faith and, and pursuit of Christ, we will be growing away from worldly things, away from our culture. And boy, that's hard for us. But we've got to keep fighting the good fight and going in that direction to live as Christ, to die as gain. Give it, Lord, give us a better understanding on that. And thank you for reminding us of just the, the context of the suffering servant, the Messiah. That was a description of Jesus. And um, my goodness, to humble himself and uh, become a man, that he may come and die for us. That's just such a great description of sacrifice. And I think I need more of that in my life. I ne- I need to say, Lord, uh, here I am. What can I give up for you? And oh, That's a hard prayer to pray, isn't it? It, it is
2: a hard prayer because it, mm. it is a pathway to suffering. It's mm-hmm. a pathway to laying aside things, and in many cases things that we like, mm-hmm. <laughs> things that we don't want to lay aside. Yeah. Uh, and so it is a... a, a A difficult prayer to pray. But as we see in our persecuted brothers and sisters, as we see the joy of the Lord, as we see the sense of contentment that comes from walking day by day and moment by moment with Jesus, I think, I hope that that as we hear their stories and as we see their faces, we say, wow, I want more of that. And that comes through the pathway of walking more closely with Christ, regardless of the cost.
1: Amen, brother. All right, we've got another uh, update. We haven't talked about Iran yet.
2: Iran, this, there's an interesting thing. There's a survey that was just done by a Dutch survey company, not not a church-related survey, but a secular company surveying Iranian people about issues of religion. The The statistics that came out of it were quite mind-blowing. 1.5% uh, Christian inside Iran. Now, if you extrapolate from 50 million people, that's 750,000 Christians living in the Islamic Republic of Iran. The official statistics of the government of Iran are that 95% of Iranians are Shia Muslim. This survey found only 32% are Shia Muslim. So literally a 60% gap between what the government says and what is actually happening on the ground We've talked about this before. The the people of Iran look at Islam, and they look at their government, which is the mullahs. The Islamic leaders are the leaders of the government. The revolution happened in 1979, and they say, wait a minute, we've had 40 years now of Islam running our country, and our country is broken. Islam hasn't worked. And so the people of Iran have largely rejected Islam. In fact, this survey found 22% say they have no religion at all. 9% say they are atheists. So 30-plus percent of the people say, I don't believe anything. So here's the great news about that. The gospel is advancing into that because Iran's people are saying Islam doesn't work. They're also saying, what else is out there? What does work? What could I try that would work for the needs of my heart, that would work for the needs of our country? That's why the church is growing so fast, and you know we've had uh, we've had some of our contacts working in Iran tell us there are hundreds of thousands of Christians, and so it's always like, you know, is this kind of evangelistic speaking or is this like <laughs> but this survey is saying no, those are real numbers. God is really on the march in the Islamic Republic of Iran.
1: Wow, that is so encouraging. Wow, that's and I'm sure. That's happening in more countries that we even hear about just for those same reasons, don't you think?
2: It, it is happening, and it's interesting because uh, ISIS had somewhat of the same effect in the Sunni Islamic yes. world yes. that the Islamic government in Iran had in the Shia world. And so Muslims who saw ISIS march through and they saw the violence and they saw you know, the kidnapping of women and they said, wait a minute— if that's what it looks like to be a Sunni Muslim, and that's supposedly what I am, I don't want to be that anymore. Uh, what else is out there? And so there has been, you know, God uses every circumstance to advance his kingdom. He uses everything that's going on around us, he can use to build his kingdom. And he has used the Islamic revolution in Iran for the last 40 years to plant a growing church in Iran. He will use ISIS, He will use everything to advance His kingdom if we have eyes to see those opportunities.
1: Amen, and praise God. Um, before we let you go, Todd, I just want to share a scripture. We've got three minutes left. First uh, John two fifteen through 17 it makes me think, what we're talking about this morning just makes me think of this, and it's hard to apply, but it, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So part of the will of God is to care for and minister to those who are hurting. In Galatians uh, 5 or 6, it says do good especially to those who are of the household of the faith, and our persecuted brothers and sisters sisters are of the household of the faith. So we know God's will. The hard thing is to break away from our American culture and context and mindset to be willing to pray and to give and whatever else we God calls us to do, right?
2: Absolutely. And, and I want to put on people's radar a, a day where... We hope the whole church, every church in America, will do a part of that, lift up our brothers and sisters. That's the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians coming up on the first Sunday in November. Uh, This year we have an election two days after that, so some churches may want to pray for America on the first Sunday in November and pray for persecuted Christians the second Sunday or the third Sunday. But we hope every church will pray for persecuted Christians on the International Day of Prayer for persecuted Christians. We have a bunch of resources at our website, persecution.com. There's a video. There are PowerPoint slides with specific prayer requests. There's a church bulletin insert. All of that this year is digital, so all of it can be downloaded easily from persecution.com. And like I say, we hope every church will remember to pray for persecuted Christians during the month of November.
1: Persecution.com slash I-D-O-P is the link. We'll put that in the podcast post. Todd Nettleton, always great to get these updates from you and just some perspective we really need. God bless you, brother.
2: Thank you very much. It's always fun to be with you.
1: All right, we'll talk to you hopefully soon, and we'll hear you on the radio tomorrow here in this neck of the woods. All right, uh, Todd Nettleton, um, before we take a break, I've got something that I was just uh, made aware of yesterday that I want to tell you about at an event coming up in Wisconsin, a Defending Life, Family, and Faith, and this is September 30. It's going to be at the Grand Meridian Hall on Oneida Street in Appleton. Features Dan Miller, director of Pro-Life Wisconsin, and Julian Appling, CEO of Wisconsin Family Action. So how can Christian leaders and churches impact public policy lawfully? This is an event where you might want to get more information about it. So September 30th, it's put on by Wisconsin Family Action, Julaine Appling. I've got a lot more, and going to take a little shift in topics when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth.
0: Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
1: And uh, we are going to take a little shift now, talk about what's happening in America and how uh, there are attacks on Christianity, and there always have been since the beginning of time, as you know. Nothing new under the sun, but the attacks come in different ways. Uh, before I get into this, uh, I've just found a really good article, a helpful article on cultural Marxism grinding Christianity down in America. Um, I'll be with Jan Markell tomorrow on her program. She'll be interviewing me on Understanding the Times radio. If you want to tune in, where you check out your local listings and uh, you can get more info, Jan Markell's Olive Tree Ministries. She's got a Facebook page, Olive Tree Views, and uh, just blessed to be on with Jan Markell tomorrow. Um, So Black Lives Matter um, has had a lot of support, not surprisingly in our culture, but from the church, from Christians. I'm not talking about the idea that every life matters to God. I'm talking about the global network and political movement that's Marxist of Black Lives Matter that's getting millions of dollars, billions from George Soros, from different organizations from radical causes that are trying to take down America that has little to do with Black Lives, but there's a pastor at Senior Xavier, I'm sorry, St. Xavier Catholic Church in New York City. They actually and this is happening in churches across the country, friends. That's why I bring this up. They actually instructed white congregants that they must renounce their white privilege to help transform the church culture. Now, transforming the church culture sounds like a noble cause, but what do you mean? What do they mean in the church for Christians to renounce their white privilege? Is that, is that a Christian thing to do? Is that biblical? Um, we know every life matters to God, including lives in mothers' wombs, including black lives, Hello, abortion movement. But cultural Marxism, I wrote about this in my first book called Eradicate. I wrote a little bit about Antonio Gramsci. He's an Italian Marxist. He wrote hundreds of pages of prison notebooks on this idea. Cultural Marxism is the gradual process of grinding down Western democracies by subverting the pillars of their culture, the structures and institutions of family, faith or religion, education, Politics, law, the arts, and the media as they provide the social cohesion necessary to a functioning society. But socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. Socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, the media. How? By transforming the consciousness of society, changing public opinion. So Antonio Gramsci referred to his strategy as a long march through the major institutions in America in order to break down the walls of Christianity through the generations. And guess what, America? Through the generations, guess what? That wall seems like the wall in Jerusalem that Nehemiah had to rebuild Um, We'll get to that maybe uh, at another time. But the communist plan to diminish Christianity's hold on America was implemented over 100 years ago. But communism cannot flourish in a society with strong people of faith, a strong religious footing. You might remember the 45 uh, communist goals that were written by Cleo Skousen in a book called The Naked Communist. I think that came out in the 50s. But um, the goals were to subvert America from within, right? Let me just mention three of them real quick, briefly. Goal 27 calls on communist warriors to infiltrate churches and replace revealed religion with, quote, social religion, social justice, Ah, that's why people are falling for these movements that are unbiblical. So revealed religion is based on Scripture, and the communist concept of social religion teaches citizens to look to government or their own works rather than God. Hmm. Jump to number 28 real quick. Goal 28 uh, calls on communist warriors, comrades, to infiltrate schools, and eliminate prayer, the reading of the Bible, every type of religious expression. How? Well, on the grounds that it violates the Constitution, of course, the principle of the separation of church and state, which we've talked about so often on this podcast. It is unconstitutional. It's not even in our, our founding documents. It was in a private letter written by Thomas Jefferson to the Baptist Association in, in, in Connecticut. Looked that up. So church and state should not be separate, period. In addition to using classrooms to transmit these socialist ideas, as propaganda, cultural Marxists have also taken over the entertainment industry, as you know, the media, government, and corporations in America. Cultural Marxism's Marxism's message to Christians is, sit down and shut up. Keep it it behind church walls. And they're not even—if laws change— Hate crimes legislation, friends, if the Democrats take power again, um, we will have hate crime laws where we will not even be able to speak Scripture in our churches. You know that's not an exaggeration. So, quick list here. Uh, uh, Bill Maher began one of his programs on HBO with an attack on Christianity by by comparing communion to sodomy. Howard Stern said, if I was president, I would— have you pro lifers gassed? I would have you marched into the ovens. Pro lifers. Um, Kathy Griffin, the one who showed a picture of uh, Donald Trump's head cut off, um, she said, A lot of people come here, and when she accepted an award, and thank Jesus for this. She said, No one had less to do with this award than Jesus. All I can say is, Suck it, Jesus. This is your culture, people. In an episode of HBO's *Curb Your Enthusiasm*, Larry David urinated on a picture of Jesus. In *In Your Face* to Christians, the Netflix film *The First Temptation of Christ* portrays Jesus as a homosexual and God the Father as a seducer of women, using diversity, inclusivity, and multiculturalism, culturalism, as justifications. Cultural Marxists in corporate America, government, and Um, publicly funded anti-Christian schools and colleges, they scold Christians. They threaten to punish Christians as well as censor religious activities by Christians and organizations that are Christian. Wait a minute. Are these public schools? Aren't these... uh, What about colleges? Why would they censor? You know why. Um, An employee of a major uh, package shipper ordered an... Uh, administrative leave. He was ordered to take administrative leave. Why? He wore a Christian cross. Actually, it was a she. She wore a cross on her dress while at work. Um, and I'll go on a little, a little bit more. A couple more, more of these. Uh, Christian. Uh, I'm sorry. Christmas decorations were banned at Florida's uh, turnpike toll booths. NBC edited out "Under God" from the Pledge of Allegiance that was recited by children. During a broadcast of U.S. Open golf tournament, the Pentagon ordered Air Force officer to remove Bible from desk. Court of Appeals upholds school districts' ban on Christmas carols. So you can sing about jingle bells, you know, Batman smells and whatever else. You can sing about Santa and anything that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus and, and coming in the flesh at Christmas time, but you can't sing Christmas carols that reflect the true meaning of the season in a lot of American schools. This is unbelievable. No, it is believable. The ACLU filed a suit to remove um, an eight-foot cross that was put up on federal land to honor soldiers killed in a war. And um, Obama Department of Justice defunded at-risk youth programs after they refused to ban prayer. A VA hospital refused Merry Christmas cards sent out by fourth-graders to sick and wounded veterans. High school prohibits valedictorian from telling how Jesus changed his life. Military base takes down nativity scene after an atheist complains. Federal judge prohibits high school band from playing How Great Thou Art. They're not even singing the words, friends. The band is just playing the instrumental. A federal judge struck that down. You don't think the appointment of federal judges is important? And Trump has has appointed hundreds. Christians, conservatives. You don't think we need more men of God appointed on our courts and and of course in Congress? Um, Texas school bans Christmas trees, red and green colors from their quote holiday party. <laughs> How many more of these? Um, university prohibits. Christian Club from setting up a table at a meet-and-greet for new students. Christian children banned from saying Merry Christmas at elementary school's, quote, winter party. High school prohibits students from praying together, cites, quote, separation of church and state, which, as we know, is not constitutional. We've got about two and a half minutes, and we're almost done. University decertifies Campus Christian Club for insisting on having a Christian as its leader. University, a public university, decertifies a campus Christian club for insisting on having a Christian as its leader. It's a Christian club. These are not isolated cases, friends. When are we going to wake up to the fact that we've got real enemies that not only hate us because of our faith in Jesus, they want to take down America. And any evidence of Christianity in our culture This is cultural Marxism. Stop being soft on this garbage, Christian friend. Stop being silent in the name of Jesus. We just talked to Todd Nettleton that's talking about persecuting Christians in other countries and how their major prayer is is not that they would be removed from Christian persecution. Their major prayer is, Hey, we need Bibles and pray for our strength that we would endure. Where is your faith? Lukewarm Church of Laodicea, the United States of Entertainment. I'm fed up. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry to end the week like this, but I am fed up with the lies. This article, you can find it on American Thinker. It's called, How Cultural Marxism is Grinding Christianity Down. I've written about this for a decade, but I'm just, just so disappointed. Forgive me for my outburst. I'm so disappointed in church leaders that just want to stay behind the walls And they're not even, they're making that decision for themselves, but they're not even equipping the saints for ministry to go out and endure and face the enemy head on. Why did Jesus say, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? Gates are defensive. That would mean, if I'm understanding that right, that the church should be on offense. Sharing the gospel, speaking the truth in love, quoting scripture, but you're afraid to admit you're a believer in Christ because someone might—it's not popular—and someone might say you're intolerant. Shame on us for our silence. I'm sorry. I'm just ticked off, and I don't know what what got, what got me going today. It was just really a great perspective check from Todd Nelton, a voice of the martyrs. But here in America, guys. We're in danger of, reloos- of losing this great republic under God. And you better get your butt to the stinking polls on November 3rd and vote biblical values. Drop the social justice garbage. That's not going to save anybody. It's not doing anybody any good. Saved by the bell. I hear the music. Oh, Lord, help us. God, have mercy on us for our apathy, for our complacency. Strengthen us in the name of Jesus Help us to endure Help us to speak and not back down From the enemies of Christ Oh Lord Jesus Come quickly
0: We'll be back in a minute Stand Up For The Truth A ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated Keep the discussion going on social media Stand Up WI On Facebook and Twitter Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth all right, I'm getting text
1: messages and uh, uh, Messenger and emails already. Uh, if you complain, uh, send it to comments at standardforthetruth.com. Um, I am not responsible for. Oh, I should I should probably say uh, uh, a disclaimer. Um, um, uh, the Lakeshore dis- d- Communications does not reflect the views of. No, oh, I'm kidding. What this guy says when he's passionate does not necessarily reflect the views of a majority of Christians in America, and that really chaps my hide. Um, I've got a phenomenal uh, interview coming up next Wednesday with Dan Fisher of the Black-Robed Regiment. Look him up. And I wish I had time to talk about it now, but I don't because we're almost out of time. But uh, Phenomenal. Look up the Black-Robed Regiment and what early pastors and church leaders were really like. Strong men of God, willing to die for their country, their congregation. And we have men that still don't want to open up their churches in America because of a stinking strain of a virus. Uh, Carl Tykrib will be our guest on Monday. And uh, this didn't happen on purpose, but Carl Gallops, (laughs) pastor from Florida, pastor from Florida who never closed his church, by the way. He's going to be with us on Tuesday. Pastor Dan Fisher on Wednesday. He's also got a book on Romans 13. It is not unlimited submission. And Scott Lively. Oh, I can't wait to talk to him on Thursday. Dr. Scott Lively and Dr. Corey Miller from Ascio Christi just wrote a new book, Loaded with Men of God, next week, friends. Thank you for sharing our podcast. We're censored on social media, but it that's the way it goes, I guess. Um, So anyway, God bless you. Have a great weekend. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.